0: Hello, everybody. We're back. We've got Autumn Smith on the podcast from Paleo Valley. Y'all have been hearing me rap about her for a very long time. And she's got a lot more than beef sticks up her sleeve. Uh, We've been talking regenerative agriculture a lot. (laughs) We did before, but since I uh, started a farm, most certainly have. And I still, I'm I'm not sick of it yet. I hope you're not. But I do like branching out. I don't like to stay on any one topic. Um, it's kind of like, uh, the old joke, how do you know, how do you know if someone does CrossFit is a vegan or born again, Christian, you've heard it 30 times in the first 30 seconds of meeting them, something like that. So yay farming, gay regenerative, uh, but still under the the guidelines of, I like novelty. I want to hear new shit. And even though we've had Daniel Griffith on and a number of other great people, Ryland Englehart from kiss the ground. Each has brought a different piece of the equation and what Autumn brings to the equation today is a gang of research. I mean, uh, she's studying for a PhD right now and she's writing her dissertation with something along the lines of, uh, to do with regenerative. I think she t- mentions it here in the podcast, but point being, this is the first of all regenerative talks that really breaks down the science behind your health with regards to what you put in your body. And it's fascinating. I absolutely love the conversation. Uh, incredibly well organized. So I'll mention it here early on in the podcast that she actually wrote an outline. And I was like, what? Fuck outlines. I don't do outlines. I think I've done it for one other person. (laughs) And I looked through it. I was like, this is gold. She's got references everywhere. I was like, fuck yeah. This is all stuff I want to talk about. So super excited to have this podcast with Autumn. Um, Don't think it's just going to be another boring farming conversation. If you think farming is boring, I think it is. (laughs) <laughs> Quite possibly the single most important thing that we do on this planet uh, to ensure the survival and safety of humanity and all beings, uh, to restore the Earth itself. I think that 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 would be uh, top of the list. So it, how we farm, obviously, not just farming in general. But anywho, uh, this podcast is great. I love it with Autumn. Definitely will have her back on. Um, she's a wizard. You know, I, I, I never know to the degree or the depth of the person that I have on, like what they're going to bring to the table. There's many people that I've, I've listened to on other podcasts and things like that. And I get a general feel for them. But when it's somebody that I haven't heard before and I just know there's great things about them and they want to talk about certain topics, it's always a roll of the dice. So it was great. Um, I was blown away by them. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this show. There are a number of ways you can support this podcast. First and foremost, leave us a five-star rating. If you do that at the end of the month, we're going to pick at the end of every month until the end of 2022, we're going to pick one random winner. And I'll tell you how random this is. If you leave, it doesn't have to be super lengthy and long, but if you leave a really good heartfelt story of how this show changed your life positively in one or one, just one or two different ways could be only one single way. Kyle recommended this book. I read it. This is what I've done now with my life. This is how it's different. Thank you, Kyle. Or thank you for recommending, um, such and such pod, living 40 podcast. I've listened to X amount of episodes of Paul's and absolutely love it. That probably wouldn't vibe well on a uh, <laughs> leaving the Kyle Kingsbury podcast review, but you get my point. You do that. And the one lucky winner at the end of each month is going to get a free, my free Organifi product of choosing. Uh, and I'm working with them right now to see if I can put together a little bundle, but you're guaranteed at least one of my favorite products from Organifi just simply for leaving us a five-star review. And that will help the show grow which I've been trying to do for years. Since leaving the mega power marketing machine of it. that has definitely been something that I'd like to do is grow the show and get more ears listening. And that's one way you can do it. That's one way you can help. The other way you can help is by ordering from these great sponsors that I have. Whatever their product is, I have hand-selected it. And if I didn't choose it myself, my team brought it to me and I reviewed it carefully and then tried it, tried it on for size. That's one of the big differences between reading a book and actually applying the book. Everything I do, I want to live that experience. I want to try it on for size. Is it user friendly? Is it easy? Um, you know, my wife and I are doing a cleanse right now uh, with a couple of friends, and we're just, you know, going low carb, doing a little um, scram from Health Force Naturals. They're not a sponsor, but they really make a really good product to heal uh, candida and parasites. And it's easy. I take capsules at night and I lower my carbohydrate intake, and I don't have grain or legumes or dairy. It's mostly low carb paleo plus this one product. And there's another, uh, competitor that, that, that does intestinal cleanses. And it's like 30 minutes after waking, have two capsules of this 30 minutes after that take intestinal sweep, which is some type of bullshit fiber. Then 40 minutes after that have the detox tea 50 minutes after that, take more capsules. I'm like, fuck no, dude, I'm a regular ass person. That's busy. I can't be doing all that. So anyways, I don't even know why I went down that rabbit hole, but These guys, I do hand select because they work and because they're convenient, because I've tried them on for size. There we go. If I try it on for size and it's bullshit, it's not going to be on this podcast. I will never have a sponsor that I don't agree with and that I don't like. Um, So check them out because they absolutely make this show fiscally possible. Without them, I could not afford to take as much time as I do away from my other jobs and my family and dedicate to this podcast. And I love it. So thank you for supporting these guys because I love podcasting. It's one of my favorite things. It fucking lights me up inside. It is one of the most novel and invigorating experiences I can have is to talk to amazing people and experts in various fields that I'm attracted to. So thank you guys for supporting the show. I really do, really do appreciate it. Protect yourself from America's fastest growing crime. Try 14 days free of Aura.com at Aura.com slash Kyle. Thank you, Aura, for sponsoring this podcast. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft. And it happens to one in 20 Americans. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. Imagine trying to log into your email account one day to see that the password had changed hours ago. Then you start getting notifications of activity from your bank, credit cards, crypto accounts. That's when the feelings of panic, fear, anxiety, paranoia, disbelief, shock, anger, frustration, and guilt all set in. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aura, who is sponsoring this podcast. Aura is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. Aura monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. Connect your credit and bank accounts and get notified of any changes up to four times faster than Aura's competitors. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Y'all, watch The Creepy Line on Amazon Prime. Just watch that. Watch that documentary. Watch The Creepy Line, I'll links to in the show notes, on Prime and understand why VPNs are so valuable and important. And their antivirus software will block malware and viruses before they infect your devices. Protect you and your family from America's fastest growing crime or a free for two weeks and see if you or any of your family's personal information has been compromised. This is a hell of a deal, y'all. You sign up, you can cancel at any time in two weeks, but right from the jump, you're going to get to see, has any of this information been compromised? Do I need to change my passwords? Should I? Is there actual reasons for me to want to protect what I have? Has it already been compromised? It's just a matter of time before somebody starts using it. So you get to check that for free and you can, the the family package is not much more than the solo package. I sign up long-term. I absolutely love it. Check it out. It is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash aura.com dot slash K-Y-L-E. Protect yourself from America's fastest growing crime. Try 14 days for free. Thank you to Aura for sponsoring this podcast. Hey everyone, it is hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. Everyone knows how critical magnesium is for us Dr. Hyman, Andrew Huberman, and all of the health industry authorities and doctors. There is a long list of symptoms and diseases that can be treated and even cured with magnesium. In fact, way back, magnesium was a critical element for a cure. Doctors use magnesium for all kinds of conditions from arrhythmia to constipation to preeclampsia and even seizures. For some reason now, doctors use it as a last resort and put patients on high doses of magnesium if they are at risk of premature labor, seizure, and other very serious conditions. It's really essential to our health and our well being. This is a huge problem because magnesium deficiency can increase your risk of all diseases and keep you from performing optimally. We shouldn't wait until we have magnesium deficiency. And even more critically, there's not just one type of magnesium, there are seven different types that we need in order to ensure both our health and vitality remain strong. Now, I'm normally a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can through a well-balanced diet. It would be just perfect if we could just do that. But in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough magnesium taken through your food alone because our soil is so overworked and mineral depleted and lacking organic matter, which helps the plants get the minerals from the soil. I read somewhere that if 10 years ago, we needed to eat one orange, now we would need to eat 10 to get the same amount of nutrients. It is just simply impossible to eat the amount of food to get the vitamins and minerals that you need. Fortunately, Biooptimizers has the solution. Their Magnesium Breakthrough Supplement is the only product on the market with all seven types of magnesium and it is specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. Bioptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting your energy levels. Right now, you can try Bioptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bioptimizers product for 10% off. Just go to magbreakthroughcom com slash K-I-N-G-S-B-U. That's magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo and use code KINGSBOO in all caps, K-I-N-G-S-B-U, to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. We are also brought to you by Organifi. I mentioned them earlier as doing this super dope giveaway where all you have to do is leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life. And I'm going to select one of y'all. I'm going to select one of y'all at the end of every single month. So we got September, October, November, and December. And if it if it looks good and it feels good for everybody, we might keep the ball rolling into 2023. But we got the least four winners on the lineup who will win my absolute favorite product from Organifi. I've been talking with them to see if I can work a little bundle because the truth is I like more than one of these. I have a clear-cut favorites, uh, plural. I don't have a clear-cut favorite. And the reason for that is that their products are so unique in the plant medicines that they use. I'll call them plant medicines are so profound that they actually can shift the way that you think and you feel. In the Organified Green Juice, for example, the level of ashwagandha that they put in that is calming and balancing. It's not going to knock you out. It's not like the lemon balm and the gold, which is designed to quiet the mind and calm you. Ashwagandha is an adaptogen. And in that adaptogen, amongst the concert of other, the myriad of other amazing products that they put into the greens, it is going to help you auto-regulate. So if I'm feeling stressed out and overworked, it's not going to make me tired, but it's going to help calm me down. If I'm a little jittery, it's going to balance that. I've had, so uh, this is the, my third day without caffeine. <laughs> and it's, it's been great because I've substituted the Organifi Red Juice for that. And the Organifi Red Juice has some amazing products. But the reason I say that with the green is anytime I was cracked out on caffeine, I could have green juice and voila, I would feel myself again. Now the red has a number of amazing things. It's great pre-workout. It's great pre-bedroom. We've, we've joked about that, but I'm, I'm quite serious when I say that it is damn good for him and her and anything in between, uh, whatever your, your, <laughs> I know what to make a joke about that, whatever your pronoun is. Um, it works. It works by delivering blood flow to the nether regions, no matter what you have down there. Um, in addition to that, it's got cordyceps synthesis, which is going to improve mitochondrial function. It's going to give you energy, clean energy that does not work on the same pathways as caffeine. And I'm not shitting on caffeine because I'm running 30 days without it. I love that stuff. Uh, it, it works in concert with it because it's on a separate pathway. It's going to increase energy through the mitochondria, which is going to give you more endurance, more ATP throughout your muscles, your body, your heart, and your brain. And remember, you have more mitochondrial centers in the heart and the brain than anywhere else. So improved cardio, improved cognitive function. All within the red juice and it's not going to keep you awake at night so it this is also another favorite of mine and if you didn't if you haven't heard me been, been talking about the gold the gold is also a favorite of mine the gold is definitely a favorite of mine because if i'm wound up on caffeine or if i've had a super stressful day maybe i've watched one too many videos on rumble uh gold is one of those things that will work it's not going to knock me out or make me loopy or leave me groggy the next day but it's going to help me to relax And a lot of people look to self-included, look to things that aren't that good for you to help you relax. I'm not a glass of Jack at night or something like that. You know, I don't I don't wind down with a hot toddy, but a nice glass of organic wine, sure. If that turns into three, not so good, right? And I know we've all been there before. Um, Even cannabis, you know, cannabis is really good. Uh, This next podcast coming up, we're gonna deep dive cannabis. Cannabis can be an amazing tool, or it can be a crutch, right? I don't want that. I want to. Whatever I put in my body to leave me more whole than when I started, and Organifi Gold is that. It is my nightcap. It is my unwind. It tastes absolutely delicious. They got pumpkin spice coming out right now, just in time for the fall. It tastes phenomenal. Um, so check all this out: Organifi.com/kkp. That is o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i.com/kkp. And don't forget, five star rating. Now we're gonna pay you. We're gonna hook you up. We're gonna, I'm, I'm I'm paying for five star ratings, y'all. I said it. Um, We're going to hook up one lucky winner at the end of every single month for the rest of the year and potentially in 2023, and uh, that's going to help this show grow, and that's going to help you guys get hooked up with my favorite product, which you you know it's going to be one of those three. What kind of podcast would it be with Autumn Smith if we didn't have paleovalley.com in the the sponsors list? We had to time this perfectly. Paleo Valley has been one of our longest sponsors, and they are phenomenal for a number of reasons. I've talked about their beef sticks, which are absolutely incredible. They are grass-fed, grass-finished. They are sourced right here from domestic farms, small farms right here in the United States of America. Not to crap on what's coming out of New Zealand or Ireland or these other places. They do good stuff too, but this is local. This is the best food. This is regenerative farms that are are doing it right. They use real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional sprayed with pesticides, natural flavors often made from GMO corn. You guys know the stats. Higher in omega-3 fatty acids, higher in vitamins and minerals. I dive into this on the podcast with Adam Smith and much, much more. The point being, when you can make really healthy food that's that's actually going to nourish your body and it's convenient, that's why I like Organifi. It tastes fucking great and it's going to help my body. And it's only got three grams of carbohydrates. That's a win, 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 right? These Paleo Valley beef sticks, I have everywhere with me. They're in my car. They're in my backpack. I got a backpack still, even though I'm 40 years old. Um, there, anywhere I go. Every time we go out to to Barton Springs or if we go to Zilker or if we go to the gun range, I know I'm gonna get hungry playing outside. And knowing I have these for myself, for my wife, for my kids, it just makes me feel better because there is no shit crap snack that I have to give everybody where oh, I want this, I want that. Like my kids love it, I love it. It tastes phenomenal. There's 10 grams of really high-end protein in there. It's very highly bioavailable. And I know they're getting critical micronutrients that you're just not gonna get. In conventional food and conventional snacks and conventionally processed garbage, which the whole world is on right now. And again, I mean, <laughs> we didn't we didn't talk too much about it on the podcast, but like, look at the last two and a half years. How is nobody mentioning that? How how is that not mentioned? Like, hey, maybe McDonald's is not essential. Maybe that's what's killing people. Maybe that's what's causing people to have a chronically low immune system, which opens them up and opens the door to welcome in the invasive guy that nobody wants, right? Maybe if you take care of yourself and you follow the four doctors, diet, quiet, sleep, and happiness, you're not going to run into the same issues that you would just walk your way through getting sick and be fine. I know plenty of people that did that. So anywho, check out their beef sticks, check out all their snacks, and they have a dope product line too, full of amazing supplements. They have an apple cider vinegar product. They have all sorts of cool stuff that is sure to get you guys optimized and as your best self. Paleovalley.com, discount code Kyle, K Y L E, for 15% off everything in the store. It's a big discount. Paleovalley.com, discount code Kyle, 15% off. And without further ado, my lady, Autumn Smith. Autumn Smith, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Kyle. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, we did we did something I don't normally do. We, we, we started talking beforehand. And uh, <laughs> uh, I like to get everything on, but I just wanted to give you a quick, well, this is how these normally go kind of deal. Um, you have sent me an outline for this, which I've only done a couple of times. And I read through it and I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is fucking awesome. So I'm super pumped to talk about this. One of the things... Um, which I just mentioned to you, but have not mentioned the audience, is that we've had quite, I, I do like variety and I do like bridging out and like not continuing on one particular topic for too long. So if I've had a health and wellness guy on or a fitness guy, I'm not gonna have another fitness guy or another fitness I like to spread it out. But we've been pretty deep in the regenerative space. Having started a farm, we've had Rylan Englehart on from Kiss the Ground. We went out to Daniel Griffith's spot, author of Wild like Flowers and had a regenerative crash course and podcasts. And in all those conversations, what we didn't cover is really the why behind meat from a health standpoint. So I was super, super pleased to see like the topics that we're going to dive into today. They are absolutely critical, especially, as you mentioned, with the attack on food and the attack on meat that's um, going down right now and has been for some time. Um, so we're going to debunk those narratives. And uh, yeah, super pumped. Thank you for coming on. I absolutely love Paleo Valley. I just had no bullshit and it wasn't for this but my backpack's always loaded with these guys like <laughs> the jalapeno beef stick is it, i don't go anywhere without them they're they are super legit so uh, i want to get your your background we'll talk meat and then we'll talk about paleo valley and wild pastures as we finish off the episode um as with all podcasts that i do i i, I the the arc or the only template that i really run with is tell me about life growing up what mm. led you to becoming the person that you are today
1: Thanks, Kyle. Like I said, it's it's really an honor to be here. I'm excited about these topics too. So when I grew up, I had a really wonderful family. I grew up in Montana, Eastern Montana. There's a lot of agriculture around me. I got swept into the ballet scene when I was four, surprisingly, and uh, grew up a dancer in a loving home. But around the age of 10, I started to have debilitating digestive issues. And no doctorate in my little Montana town really knew what to do with me. And they put me in the wastebasket diagnosis of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, told me to go home, take some Bino. And, um, we did that and it didn't get better. And so I kind of just learned to manage the pain and, um, as I g- grew up and went into high school, it started to get worse, and with it came some mental health struggles. We now know there's this like, intimate connection between the gut health and the brain health at the time that wasn't so well known. And so they decided to take me to psychotherapy, and we did antidepressants and all of that, and none of that worked for me either. And I began to believe something was just broken in me and i just decided i would manage rather than thrive and i started using substances to help numb the pain i was feeling both physically and emotionally my behavior got so out of control i actually got kicked out of my parents house before i graduated high school so i was going to high school <laughs> living on my own and and honestly i deserved that i think my parents did um did me a favor there so fortunately i still had a love of dance and even though i was in a lot of pain and really struggling i decided to go on to college and pursue dance and psychology and um, eventually even made my way to los angeles and became this celebrity fitness trainer and and from the outside it looked really good right except for that when i came home i was a mess and when my husband really got to know me and got close to me he said you are suffering in silence and we have to figure this out, right? Your skin is breaking out, you're anxious all the time, your stomach looks pregnant after meals, and uh, we gotta go to the doctor. And I said, I just don't think this traditional system has much for me, but we tried it in Los Angeles. And and again, they just said, oh, you have irritable bowel, we don't know what to do. So he got on the internet determined to help his new wife and uh, he found out that some people in one little corner of the internet were having success with dietary change. And so, I I like was reticent about changing my diet because I didn't think something so little could help so much. But I did it, and in 30 days, all of my digestive issues were gone. And over the course of the next year, I became—I just transformed into a different person. I was stable. I was happy. I was inspired. I, you know, no longer feared, you know, social engagements. I didn't have fear around my what I was eating. It was—it was so remarkable that I quit my awesome job with Tracy Anderson and decided to go back to school and really learn as much as I could about what was happening. Why was this such a powerful change for me? And how can I teach other people to do the same? And the reason we went into physical products was because my last assignment as a fitness trainer for Tracy Anderson was go on a seven month world tour. So I just reclaimed my health. Uh, but I, I on the road, I'm not saying it's impossible, but for me, with the tools that I had in my, uh, at that time, it, it wasn't easy. And my health started to do a backslide. And so when I came back to America, I said, I'm going to create the tools. I want the tools for people, no matter how you live your life, to have really high quality options if you have digestive issues or you're just wanting to be very conscientious about the foods you put in your body. And so, and then um, we decided to create wild pastures because I was making a lot of relationships with farmers and ranchers using regenerative methods. And I was so inspired by what they were doing and so afraid of the state of our ecosystem and the degradation in our soil that I decided I wanted to create a way for the farmers who are just going about their business, experimenting, and, and healing our land uh, to connect them to the consumers who cared about this uh, in a price that they could actually afford. And so that was more of our, I don't want my son to see a day where he can't grow his own food. And so Wild Passage was just an offshoot of my love for my Maverick. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome. And what a great name too. <laughs> Thank you. It sense, you, know, you. You mentioned something that's, that's really the way people think. You said, I, I couldn't believe that something so small Making a change so small would have such a big difference on on how I felt, right? I was the exact same way. I was like, I remember talking to my strength coach, who was actually the guy that introduced me to Paul Check's work. Mm. And he asked me, uh, he's like, Would you read a book? He wanted me to read How to Eat Move Me Healthy. And I was like, Fuck no, I'm out of college. I'm not reading a <laughs> fucking diet book. Get out of here. And uh, he's like, You got an intolerance. He kept saying, He's like, You got some, you got a food intolerance. And um, he's like, Would you watch a video? And I was like, Yeah, I'll watch a video. And it was flatten your abs forever. And I was like, cool, man, I want to get shredded. I'm fighting that heavyweight. I care about how I look and, and you know, knowing self-marketing, I am the brand and all that. And, uh, you know, the whole, of course, the whole video has nothing to do with getting shredded. It has to do with, with gut health, soil quality, all those things that I didn't Why I was So he got me with the bait. And then I was a huge, from that on, a huge Paul Check fan. I've, I've read that book probably a dozen times. But that, I, I credit Paul with this because once you make that change and it's so visceral, like everything in your life improves. The way you think, the way you retain information, the way you communicate, your emotional status, you know, like can I handle outside stress or not? When all of that shifts, you're like, that's so much more than anyone's actually talking about. And it's so much more than, oh, lose 10 pounds. It has nothing to do with that. And everything to do with your total quality of life. And that's that's no small thing. And then from there, you're like, I can't go back. There's no going back, you know. But Paul. Paul planted the seed for me to continue my education because at that point I was so sick of school. I was like, I'm never reading another book, and um, that one change from that one book and that one video was like, oh, what else can I learn? That will completely change the way that I live, you know. So lots of love there, and um, what a—it's funny too, you know. Dr. Michael Russo, who's a buddy of mine, he wrote Total Gut or Total Total. Got total you, something like that. Um, sorry, healthy got healthy you. Something. Healthy God, hell you. There we go. Healthy God, healthy you. He's in Austin now. We're going to run it back soon. He said if you added up all the different categories of autoimmune, it would trump cancer, heart disease, everything else. The top the top two, top three, autoimmune is number one right now. And, um, and it's funny because the guy in charge <laughs> for the last 40 years um, ha- has those stats you know, uh, Fauci, I'm talking about here. And I don't want to rabbit hole all that stuff, but it's like, dude, your track record's dog shit. Uh, allergies are on the rise. Like there's, this isn't good. Like that's not a good resume to have. Uh, anywho, um, so, so so yeah, let, let's, let's just continue. Sorry, I, I, I definitely diverged there and, and jumped off topic. But um, you jump in, you got Paleo Valley now. You wanted to create things in the 3D that were tangible that would actually help you when you're on the road super important. Let's talk a little bit um, about how, you know, where did the idea that meat is dangerous to health come from? You know, uh, let's backtrack, let's rewind, let's get a little history lesson because this is super important. This is so
1: fascinating to me. I was telling you before we started that we decided to create a docu-series because once I started sharing these principles, people were like, oh no, saturated fat, oh no, cholesterol. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, we got to figure this out. And so I have to credit Belinda Fetke. Have you have you heard of her? No. Okay. So I'm going to start there. So Dr. Gary Fetke, he's an orthopedic surgeon in Tasmania, and he was actually, you know, amputating diabetic limbs, noticing, you know, that if he told his diabetic patients to reduce sugar, you know, they could maybe control their blood sugars better, which seems like a, yeah, obviously that would happen, but In his hospital, he told people that, and he was reported by a dietitian. And so he underwent four years of interrogation, uh, basically, like having the threat of his medical license being taken from him um, and, and being the first doctor ever silenced talking about nutrition. Now, eventually, he was exonerated, but because of this four year battle his wife became fascinated by who are these forces where is this message coming from and what she found is there's several origins one of them in the seventh day adventist church there was a woman named ellen white and she founded the seventh day adventist church and she had visions from god where she believed that the garden of eden diet had fruits nuts seeds whole grains and little if any meat and one of her students was Dr. John Harvey Kellogg and they believed that if they if kids ate meat they would masturbate and masturbate, baiting was a deadly sin and so he went on to create cornflakes Kellogg cereal with the goal of helping kids stomp, to stop from these unhealthy desires and so that is essentially our first meat alternative was also something that Dr. John Harvey Kellogg figured out and so we had that we have the religious influence and there is such Influence over our, uh, you know, dietary guidelines and hospital and our education. I mean, the Seventh Day Adventist Church is, I think, behind the Catholic Church one of the major educators in the world. And so it's pretty crazy. And then we have William Proctor and James Gamble, who were some businessmen and they had this cottonseed oil surplus and they didn't know what to do with it because um, electricity was coming and sales for candles were down and soap. And so they decided with the advent of hydrogenation, if they hydrogenated it, which just means adding hydrogen, essentially making it a solid oil, that it looked like Uh, animal fat, and that maybe it could be a healthy alternative to uh, lard, which a lot of people were using at the turn of the uh, 20th century. And so without any... substantiation for the health claims they made whatsoever, they launched this massive marketing campaign that literally convinced housewives that they needed to be liberated from churning butter and that it would give their kids good character. And now we know that their product, uh, Crisco, was 50% trans fat and how it was originally formulated. And And the World Health Organization estimates it's responsible for 500,000 deaths every year. So we had William Proctor, we had business, we had religion. We also have the sugar industry. So Ansel Keys came along and he had the hypothesis that saturated fat was going to raise cholesterol, which was going to make you have a greater risk of heart disease. And he did something called the Six Countries Study. But- The only problem with that data was when we added data for the 22 countries, which was actually available, you find that the correlation was a lot weaker and that when you looked at total mortality, that there wasn't actually a benefit at all. But he was a very charismatic, very persuasive character, and he went on to convince uh, Senator McGovern and the people who originated our dietary guidelines that saturated fat should be um, avoided. And that's kind of the direction that our dietary recommendations took. And we've been told to fear cholesterol, not anymore, but back in the day, saturated fat, animal products. And then, of course, we have the voices of animal rights activists and this whole environmental narrative that only plant foods can be healthy for our ecosystems, which is just so absolutely crazy just because something's a plant does not make it sustainable. It can still be grown with fertilizers and pesticides and monocultures. These go against our ecological principles. uh, But The voices are strong um, and there's a lot of misconceptions about that research. So we have that. We also have things like (laughs) the food compass. Have you seen this food compass nutrient profiling system?
0: No. Tell me about it, please.
1: Oh, no. Okay. So they... Granted, I spoke with um, Frederick Leroy and he were he knows some of the researchers and he did a whole, he published an article criticizing this nutrient profile rating system. And I do believe that the researchers had good intentions, but what they did was they have like things like Cheerios and Lucky Charms at the top of the list and beef way down and eggs and whole <laughs> foods that we have been consuming for our entire evolution at the very, very bottom. And admittedly, These researchers have been supported by big food companies that maybe have caused this unconscious biases. But the reality is when everyday consumers look at these nutrient profile rating systems, they would be convinced, and the problem with all of this is it goes completely counter to our evolutionarily evolution, right? So meat came into our diet, you know, three million years ago. Then we used tools. And then we started using all of the animals. This helped our brains to grow. There has never been a vegetarian culture, and despite all of the evidence that, or all of this mainstream narrative that we're eating so many more animal products. Our rates of red meat consumption, the most maligned animal product, is actually on the decline while rates of processed foods and grains and seed oils are going up. And so I think this message has several origins that are kind of all converging at this time, um, but it doesn't make sense. It's not true. And I'm just really passionate about helping people understand where this is coming from so that we can uh, push back against it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a fantastic movie, uh, a comedy, called the road to Wellville that really really deep dives Kellogg and the history of him uh-huh. and it's it's mind-blowing like this dude was batshit crazy like and it, you know like literally it's funny it's a funny thing to think too like I'm gonna design a food that's so bland and so nutrient devoid that that you'll not want to masturbate anymore. Well, like if you're going through, if you're say you're starting puberty, testosterone's like a fucking gorilla's, eight hundred percent, something like just abnormally high. There's a reason you desire that, like it's relief, like pressure relief, and um, and to have that happen, you know, like in women, women back in the day who had no orgasms, so they called it hysteria. There was a medical term for it, mm-hmm. and doctors had a monopoly on manual release, clitoral stimulation to relieve the hysteria from women, Hamilton Beach, that makes your blenders for margaritas, they were the first vibrator. They were the first company (laughs) that made a self-pleasuring device for hysteria, for women to self-service themselves and finally alleviate because doctors' entire schedules became women coming in with hysteria. Imagine having a whole day at the office and all you're doing is manually releasing ladies so that they don't (laughs) go home hysterical. And they can get through the day and do their normal work. Like, this this happened right in the United States. It's it's insane when you, when you start to look through the history. Like, we know the big fuck-ups, um, you know, how this country was started with Native Americans, mass genocide, uh, slavery, all that stuff's talked about. But there's so many little things that don't compare to that. No, I'm not saying they do, but there's so many little things like this. Like, to understand, like, wh- what the frame of thinking must have been to say women should not want pleasure, right? And if they do want it, they're hysterical and there's only one way to go about that. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. But yeah, Kellogg's, Kellogg's design of Kellogg's cornflakes was without sugar. He was adamantly against it. And Post made cereal with sugar. They made Frosted Flakes and then obviously sugar sells. So eventually Kellogg got into making sugar, you know, adding sugar to their cereals, but it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy.
1: I know I was blown away
0: when I heard about it, but well, let's you know. talk. We've, we've we've had conversations. Uh, what was cool having Ryland Engelhart on is that they you know they started Cafe Gratitude. Uh, we talked about this on the on a very recent podcast. It, it quickly became like the number one vegan restaurant in California. They had their grand opening in L.A. and um, getting into regenerative agriculture. He had his first burger at 35 years old, right wow. from regenerative. I was like, damn, and it comes full circle. And what happens? The community shows up in LA with signs that say murderer on it and just uh-huh. full on. These guys get death threats, the whole deal. Um, so a little bit of dogma there. <laughs> I'm not too worried about bit. people giving me death threats. But um, let's talk Let's talk about this. This is an age-old argument. Not age-old because veganism is very new. But um, in our time, this has been a long-standing argument on, you know, how does meat stack up against vegan diets?
1: Yeah, I know. I think it's really important. And I I am not in the business of telling anyone what to do. I just genuinely am fearful of young people believing that they can get everything they need on a plant-based diet. Having a son, that really worries me. So first of all, I think most of us are under eating protein anyway. You know, there was a recent... um, uh, report that over 40% of older Americans are not getting enough protein and i i see that with my son it's just it's hard to get enough protein and and when we don't have enough protein we eat more we don't burn as many calories we're it's we're not as able to build lean muscle mass we're not going to age as gracefully and so just saying that we need to eliminate meat and not really making it as much about protein. I think that's worrisome because even like meatless Mondays, you take meat away from kids in those schools. And I think um, some of them, that will be the only really high quality meal that they get. So that really worries me because we need more protein. Protein has been shown to do a lot of wonderful things metabolically. Two out of 10 of us are metabolically healthy as it is. And I think it's just a scary reality to go away from that. The second thing is it's just a higher quality source of protein. I just don't think anyone can refute this. When you look at something like the digestible, indispensable amino acid scores, right? They rate proteins and animal sources are higher quality uh, across the board, right? You get something like wheat, I think it's around 43 and eggs are above 100. And so our body is just better able to use the proteins and they're complete proteins, right? So a lot of times vegetarian, vegan sources are missing certain amino acids like lysine or leucine, ones that help us to build muscle mass and and on and on. And so, yes, you can combine these proteins and have you know, complete proteins and eat a higher percentage of protein and maybe make up for that. But at the same time, you're going to be consuming more calories. If you're not as educated, it's going to be really hard to do. And so I think animal sources are just an easier way to do it. Um, the last thing is there's a lot of nutrients. We always talk about meat, 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 like it's all the same thing, but there's a lot of nutrients in a really highly bioavailable form and all of the different types of meat have different types of nutrients. And Dr. Ty Beal just did this really cool report and it was kind of, um, it wasn't about being a counter to the food compass nutrient profile rating system, but it came out around the same time. And I think it's, it's really interesting to compare them, but What he looked at is for the nutrients most people are deficient in, which I think is the most important criteria, right? Vitamin A and calcium and zinc and iron. The most nutrient dense foods are animal sources. They're organ meats. I think four of the seven most nutrient dense foods um, were, you know, liver, kidney, heart, and spleen. And then we have beef and you know other animal products. And at the bottom, you find the refined grains, right? That most people are actually consuming their mid- the majority of their diet from today. Um, and you know, there's some plant foods, particularly leafy greens, really high, but. The reason that we need these foods are because they contain the nutrients that most of us are lacking and that most of us need to be more concerned with. Iron, you know, anemia is the number one deficiency worldwide. Zinc, you know, which is really important for our immune system and just for growth and functioning of our brain. Um, And EPA and DHA, these long chain omega fatty acids that are very important for the reduction of inflammation and for our brain health and all these things, a lot of nutrients B12 too only comes from animal source foods. And there's actually trials or case studies where children who did not receive enough B12 have irreversible deficits, um, even when they add animal products back into their diet. And so I think
0: Rob Wolf and Diane Rogers talked about that in Sacred Cow, you know, especially when it comes to children with B12 deficiency. It's a. It's, it, it is, you know, bizarro world to understand that people would force that on their kids when they're naturally going to be inclined to have a, a, a better variety, omnivore-ish. And um, yeah, that's super unfortunate, very unfortunate.
1: And you know what? And I think these parents are doing what they think is best because that's what they're hearing, that it's a totally safe thing to do and they don't have to worry about it. And so, oh, my heart just goes out to them. But yeah, because more of us need really high quality protein. Protein is gonna help us feel satiated, it's gonna help us eat fewer calories, it's gonna help us build lean muscle mass and preserve that lean muscle mass as we grow older. It's going to be a better source of high quality protein that our bodies can use. And there's many nutrients that we absolutely require, and many of us are deficient in that we're going to get from animal source foods. So yeah, this message against me, it it terrifies me. And what it does is it um, makes us believe that hyper palatable, overly processed plant-based foods are the way forward. And I think that is absolute craziness and very, very dangerous
0: messaging. Absolutely. I I know I've mentioned this uh, maybe not a hundred times, but I have mentioned this often on this podcast. It is worth mentioning again, right here in particular, as we're talking about micronutrients. you know, My wife and I did our 23 and Me. We took the raw data. We outsourced it to foundmyfitness.com, Dr. Rhonda Patrick's, and yes. she actually runs it through her, her machine learning and, and tells you what that actually means. And for both of us, along with Aubrey Marcus, my brother, and a ton of other people that I know, family members, we can't take beta carotene from carrots and from sweet potatoes and convert that into usable vitamin A. Right? We can only get it from organ meat and egg yolk That's and, and cod liver oil, right? Like from animal sources, that's the only way we're gonna have usable vitamin A, which is super important for the immune system, super important for cell replication. Like just, just I'm trying to figure out if I was raised vegan, how dead I'd be or how impaired I would be, right? Uh, DHA and EPA, we can't take ALA from omega-3 based plants like chia, flax and convert it to either of those we don't do it at any rate it's not like we have trouble doing it we don't do it we absolutely don't do it and the thing about these these polymorphisms is that they're not unique about 50% of the us population has the same polymorphism so that means half of us <laughs> aren't going to take plant-based food and convert it into actual usable micronutrients that are critical for brain health critical for immune health critical for survival you know and just optimized life like that only is going to come from meat and meat-based sources
1: Oh, I just think that's such an important message. And yeah, I've been diving into the fatty acids because I'm doing my dissertation on it. But I also think like Paul Czech allowed me to read Part of his new book on nutrition. And this was one of the main arguments. It's right. You got to look at your ancestors. Where did you evolve or where did your ancestors evolve geographically? What were they eating? Were they in polar regions where they're having more animal products or were they more equatorial regions where maybe plant-based foods may be more appropriate and you might not be be as likely to have those polymorphisms, but you're absolutely right. A lot of us to be able to convert ALA um, into those long chain omega 3 fatty acids, the rate is abysmal. And then, if we have thyroid issues, immune dysfunction, obesity, and all of these other things that a lot of Americans unfortunately suffer from, it's worse. So, yes, exactly. Um, exactly what I was thinking. Thank you. That example was so powerful.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always happy to share it, even though I'm like, eh, I'm going to repeat it, but I'm going to repeat it one more time. Like, people got to know this. You know, I've, I've had conversations with vegan friends. Like, hey, <laughs> you yeah. might do great on this, and there's no argument like if you look healthy, your blood works there, and you feel great, um, yes. th- it absolutely is no one-size fits all approach though, and you can't put that on other people because of me, because of my wife, because of Aubrey, because of f- half of us in this country let's t- Let's dive in here to you know some of the big problems with our current methods of animal agriculture
1: yes. Okay. So if we walk into a grocery store today, I think something like 95% of the products we're going to see are going to be raised in confinement. Uh, these are operations with, you know, thousands of cows and tens or hundreds of thousands of smaller animals, sometimes like pigs and chickens. And I all I always like to say that these uh, systems were created with good intentions, right? We thought that we were going to have too many people and not enough food. And so we started to intensify production. But the unfortunate reality is uh, there's a lot of problems with these systems. The first is the inhumane treatment of animals, right? We see them cramped into these tiny conditions. Sometimes they don't even get to go outside, and then they're not able to self-select foods. Dr. Fred Prevenza's research has been really—do you know Dr. Fred Prevenza?
0: Did he write nourish? Or was yes, that a different guy. Okay. You know, awesome. nourishment.
1: He's yeah, such nourishment. a cool guy, and he said the way that just like humans should be able to do self-select, self-medicate, um, you know, correct our imbalances in our biochemistry with food. When they're just given total mixed rations, like cows aren't able to do that. And a lot of times, an overly grain-based diet can create liver issues and just ill health that then necessitates the use of antibiotics, which is another big problem. So the inhumane treatment of animals is one. Then the additives is another, right? Ractopamine beta agonists that are banned in hundreds of other countries are still used, um, in our pigs today. And, um, They've caused like heart palpitations in humans and lameness in the animals. And we have things like antibiotics, like I just said, and we have a worldwide antibiotic resistance um, issue. It's, it's a huge issue that kills hundreds of thousands of people every single year. And when we have animals in these small conditions and we're giving them antibiotics, it's like we're giving these um, bugs multiple hosts to kind of mutate and create even more powerful um, antibiotic resistant bugs. And so that's a huge problem hormones, right? Growth hormones. Some people believe that they can lead to things like precocious puberty. And um, yeah, so the additives and and also just the environmental cost, right? When we're looking at the efficiency of confinement, we're not really taking into account these externalities or these other factors like the pollution, the groundwater pollution from our manure, the fact that the communities around CAFOs suffer, they have higher rates of respiratory illness, they have odors they're dealing with. We have particulates in the air that are polluting things. Um, We have fertilizer runoff. And um, when we use corn, for animals, um, which they don't actually need to eat, you're using a ton of fertilizer because corn often uses, you have to use a lot of fertilizer in order to produce it, which then creates nitrate runoff and fish kills and there's just there's a lot of environmental costs. And the final one is the cost of the community. I think when we began as a society, but you know, we had a lot of people involved in food production. And today we have these big companies coming in and making decisions for a few CEOs in far-off countries. Um deciding what happens within your community and then there's just less accountability there's less of an investment and i just think the degradation just goes down from there and and i think we need to come, come back to a time when you know our communities are invested and are deciding what happens within our communities because our food systems are localized and other countries aren't allowed to outsource our pollution and that we come to terms of the fact that if we pollute our environment um, and if we treat our animals inhumanely, ultimately, that will affect us. That that does affect our health. That affects our planet. And it's, it's just something I, I'm very passionate about changing.
0: Absolutely. You, you, you mentioned like a couple of, of big countries like Brazil and China controlling a very large percentage is that meat processing that they're, that they're in charge of. And we have like something like six meat production companies that run 90 plus percent of all meat production here from Cargill to Tyson foods and and a few others. Um, That's a big problem. If there's one thing that, that the COVID era has shown us is where our cracks are in the system. The weaknesses of having so much outsourced um, not really getting vertical in how we we approach uh, our our supply chains and, and how we come up with things. And I, I really see this as a, um you know, we, we talk about inflation and, you know, what's going to happen in the U.S. dollar in the very new future and things like that. But if we look at food production, that seems like an absolute brittle, brittle thing that we're just standing on the cusp of watching fall apart. Uh, and it's and it's in large part because we've we've outsourced so much and we because we've let so many people who really have no vested interest in giving a shit about what we do with our land or our communities that they're now they're now making they're the ones in charge that are making the decisions about what goes on in our land.
1: It's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, the decisions, like Smithfield, for example. I think they they own. Tens of thousands of acres in uh, Missouri and just yeah, JBS, you know, out of Brazil, like you said, in Cargill and just all of these big companies, they can totally control because they own the processing, what kind of meat gets processed and how quickly it gets processed. And yeah, there's a total bottleneck. It is very terrifying. And we need to come back to a time where, you know, local production is where most people are getting their food from, and I think this is also mirrored in this plant-based messaging. and And I think there's people saying we need to get rid of animal agriculture altogether, and it's like for what? So that we can create these factories and these big food conglomerates that are going to create food um, in certain big areas and control the food supply? No, I think that is absolutely the wrong way to go. We need to take the power back. We need to be invested in how we eat and who makes our food. And even if we can't do it ourselves, just know the people, you know, be as local as possible. And just, um, if we don't, the power, like you said, remains in the hands of a few CEOs in far off countries who are getting rich uh, by outsourcing their pollution and having control over our food supply. And I think that's a very precarious, terrifying position to be in.
0: Absolutely. Well, like as I mentioned, we have had a few regenerative folks on the podcast, but let's dive into regenerative agriculture. What is regenerative agriculture? How is it different? What are the benefits of it?
1: Yes, and I know that you live on a regenerative farm. So essentially, we've been living in an extractive relationship with the earth for the last 10,000 years, right? Where we're taking more out than we're putting back in, and we're prioritizing yield and just increased productivity over ecology. And so regenerative agriculture at its heart is just essentially a and agriculture that takes into consideration how the soil and the ecosystem is now and yields, it tries to make it better, right? Tries to measure ecological outcomes and improve them in terms of soil health, water holding capacity, animal integration, biodiversity, uh, carbon sequestration. So you hear this message that animal agriculture is destroying the planet. But in in reality, when you look at white oak pastures or something down in Bluffton, Georgia, they've actually analyzed and found that regeneratively raised beef is the only one that can act as a carbon sink, even when compared to Impossible Burger and beyond meat and conventional burgers, pork, soy, all of it. It, regeneratively raised beef was the only one that actually took carbon out of the atmosphere and put it underground, whereas which is exactly where we need it to go if we're going to kind of reverse um, climate change and the warming of our planet. So. Exactly that, though. You can be a regenerative farmer and be an organic farmer, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're regenerative if you're organic. And a lot of people are looking at sustainability and sustainable food systems. But the truth is, we need to look beyond sustainable, because if we sustain where we're at right now, where we lose 30 million acres um, of soil every year and an overwhelming majority of our soil is already degraded, then we're in for a root awakening. And so regenerative agriculture is just trying to restore the land back to a higher or more Worthy state. And as much as people don't like to admit it, animals are a really integral part of this process. And there's six little tenants of regenerative agriculture, least disturbance and living roots. And, and animal integration is one of the tenants, building biodiversity and context and on and on. So uh, animals can use their manure and as fertilizer and they can kind of stimulate grass growth and, and the grass actually acts as a straw and takes carbon out of the atmosphere and puts it underground like we're talking about. And it, their hoof prints kind of create disturbance then that can create a number of ecological outcomes. So regenerative ag is just, it's, it has to be our way forward. And people go and say, I think like, That George Monbiot guy says that regenerative and organic agriculture is the most dangerous kind. I think that message is really, really scary because this is absolutely the way forward. And it is the only type of agriculture that actually restores planetary health in the way that we need it to if we're we're going to have the food sovereignty and the food security that we desperately need in the future.
0: (laughs) I I always, it cracks me up when I hear a statement like that from, uh, who was it? It's this guy George
1: Monbiot. I'm not sure. Have you heard? He wrote a book. Somebody, and-
0: somebody sent me one of his things that he had a write up that he had done, and I was like, "Is this? Was this funded by Monsanto? Like, I mean, you got to think along those lines, right? Because if you look into regenerative agriculture, it's bad for no one. If you want to make the argument, you can't scale it. Fine, but we're not we're not going to scale it from one particular farm. The idea is that that more people get back to the land and more people regenerate the land, and then more people are able to provide locally. Exactly. And if, if there's a misbalance there, then that means you need more people to move from your city back to the land neighboring by, regenerate the land, and then feed the people in that city. That That's it. It's not It's not a, this is going to come from from six meat companies on the planet, and that's going to solve it. No, that's not regenerative, right? Like we got to regenerate in small little pockets and form like Voltron, and then that can regenerate and also heal and provide enough for people. And it can provide enough for people. Um, so anytime I hear something like that, it's kind of like when Bill Nye took a trip, he took a trip to Monsanto before Bayer bought them. And he said, you know, I've been wrong about GMOs. He tweeted this. And I was like, dude, I saw that." how many zeros were on your paycheck? <laughs> like, it's just fucking absurd though. It's like, it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious.
1: Yeah. And I think you said it's not regenerative agriculture is not bad for anyone, but I think it's bad for big business. It's bad for the centralization of our food supply. It's bad for people trying to create plant-based meat alternatives. This is big business we're talking about. And so regenerative ag is an absolute threat to that. And I think that's why we hear these messages outright attacking it. And I've even heard influencers say, um, when they use the word regenerative in their posts and they don't get as much engagement, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm not all into conspiracy theorists. I just think regenerative- no, that's real.
0: That's it- real. That's not a, that's not a theory. That's real. Right. There are, there are things you, you don't even have to call it conspiracy. Like they're pretty open <laughs> about my wife and I just got released from our shadow ban. Uh, we may still be throttled behind the scenes, but finally after two years in the COVID era, Uh, you can tag us on Instagram again at living with the Kingsbury for two years. People have been saying up, up until a month ago, they would say, Hey, I tried to tag you in a post and I just laugh. And I'm like, yeah, man, it (laughs) it doesn't pay to tell the truth these days. Uh, So finally they lifted that. Right. And I'm like, let's see how fast it, how long it takes for us to get back on that list. Like we're not going to stop telling the truth, you know, but that, that's a very real thing. There's no, you know, there's no, maybe people conspire, but that's just, that's just the business practices of social media. You know, no conspiracy there. That's how they practice. You know, regulating what they deem to be the truth and what they deem to be misinformation.
1: Yeah, but if you think about like pesticide companies, fertilizer companies, um, pharmaceutical companies, huge food companies, like these are very wealthy, powerful entities. And so, I like I think what you're saying is true. Not necessarily conspiracy, just like money talks. Money is powerful, and um, what we're suggesting runs counter to uh, their narrative and their goals.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was something that, that it surprised me to the degree at which I saw it, but in Food Inc., which I'm sure you watched a long time ago, like me, um, the farmers that were attacked for wanting to use their own seeds and not going with GMO seeds because that, you know, that like, once they got you, they got you, there's no going back. If you've ever planted GMO seeds, those are the only seeds you're allowed to use. um, if, if your neighbor who's using a GMO seed hybridizes with your seed and their technology is found in it, they can sue you for using their seeds, even though Bayer Monsanto has effectively ruined your crop with their genetic technology. Um, so, so in that documentary, you really get a visceral experience of what it's like to try to do things right. And to have this big system in its place, just stomping the little man everywhere they go, you know, like that, that's, that's, that is what's happening. So it's, It's damn unfortunate, but um, (laughs) this is the world we're in. This is the fight we got.
1: Yeah, one of the farmers we work with, actually, his father was a GMO seed salesman, and I I believe that he applied pesticides and- was in that world. And at 40, he developed Parkinson's. And um, so his son decided that he was going to do something different and be a part of a different type of system. And he spent the rest of his life regenerate- regenerating all of his land and really working in pork production and how do we make it sustainable and regenerative and all of the things. So um, just like you're saying, yeah, I think uh, it's coming. The change is coming, but it's definitely not the popular narrative at the moment.
0: Nah. So, well, it is, it is on shows like this, but, but piece by piece, yeah. we got to We got to scrape together, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So well, uh, this is, this was really fascinating on our, on our outline, something that, that, um, we had, uh, Robbie from force of nature on the podcast, maybe a month or two ago. And he was talking about, he listed, you know, it's, um, force of nature, Rome ranch. He's like, that's, that's number three on your list of, of healthiest thing, healthiest meats you can put in your body. And I was like, this is coming from a dude who started Force of Nature. How is that number three? And he listed the top two, you know, but he he listed them as, you know, hunting. Like you go out on a hunt, you hunt elk or you hunt game. You hunt something in the wild that lived in the wild its entire life. And then the lights went out the second the bullet hit it, right? Like that. that's number one. Number two would be something you've raised yourself on your land 100% regeneratively. That's yours, right? Like that, there's number two. Number three is going via somebody else's that's doing the best possible regenerative practices. And that's for a lot of people the best option, right? That is for a lot of people going to be their best option because a they've never hunted before, b they don't they don't maybe they don't have the skill set or the time or the finances. Hunting's an expensive thing, unfortunately. It's it's it ain't cheap, um, and uh, or maybe they don't have the space to raise their own animals, that kind of thing. But that that was that was very curious to me that he that would come from his mouth and very honest and awesome and open. Um, one of the studies that you show here. Uh, from aria at all is the 2010 kangaroo versus beef less inflammation with wild meat talk about that because this is this is really cool and i love beef but i also like varieties of foods and i've we're raising emu and one of them's kind of a jerk and i'm like man this guy his name's larry i'm like larry if you bite one of the kids i'm having a 600 hundred dollar fucking bird for a meal right now like we're gonna roast you so be kind
1: Oh my gosh. I love it. Yes. Yeah, so I do, I do love that answer too. So yeah, this Arya et al study back in 2010, essentially looked at your levels of inflammation post meal, meaning we all have a little bit of a rise of inflammation after we're eating. Uh, but he looked at wild kangaroo meat or they did, um, versus meat raised in confinement, and that was beef. And what they found was dramatically increased levels of inflammation for the beef raised in confinement. And what I think is really interesting, and obviously as opposed to the wild game or kangaroo that was probably mostly eating um, its native diet, uh, what I was thinking is this might also be indicative of regeneratively raised beef versus beef raising confinement. But Dr. Van Vliet is actually working on that right now. I'm working with him to do my dissertation. And he's looking at if we eat a plant-based burger and if we eat a beef raising confinement, or if we eat beef raised on a regenerative um, farm, what will be the difference in inflammation and other markers of health after that? Because I think that's the next step, right? We know there are differences, nutrient changes in animal products, depending on how they're raised. That's pretty consistent in the literature, but the extent to which that impacts human health is kind of the next frontier. And and I think we'll find with the levels of se- like things like secondary compounds, which we really hadn't thought much about because we don't track them on nutrition labels. And even though they have very well demonstrated human health benefits, we know the more diverse the pasture, there's marked increases in the levels of these secondary compounds. We also know fatty acids profiles change, like you're saying, levels of EPA and DPA and DHA and all of these things uh, change pretty dramatically and consistently depending on how the animal is raised. But yeah, I'm really excited about this research. And there's also something called the Beef Nutrient Density Project going on right now. I'm doing a little bit of the data analysis for that. And they're taking farms all across the country All different kinds of methods, and then looking at what changes in their nutrient profile of their products. And um, from what I've seen, it's you know what we kind of would expect that when they're eating more forage, more diverse diets, they're having better fatty acid profiles. And um, Dr. Van Vliet's actually going to be updating on things other than fatty acid profiles on Thursday at the BioNutrient uh, Food Association. But yeah. So anyway, I think wild game, probably a great bet. But if you can have a cow that is eating something like its native diet with very diverse pastures, uh, I would hypothesize that that would be a different food than an animal raised uh, in confinement. But uh, I guess we'll see. The data will yeah. tell the
0: truth. Yeah, <laughs> really. I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm ecstatic that we've got, we have got. I was telling you a little bit about our farm coming up and the trip to see Daniel Griffith out in Virginia. And since that trip, we now have 50 sheep coming from Austin Dillon, who was a speaker at at um, Rome Ranch on regenerative. Uh, he runs. He makes bulletproof goats, bulletproof sheep that have never had a shot, never had antibiotics, and he's basically wow. been doing that for 15 years to find the very best flocks that do well in Texas. Nice. So, if if a goat had a, had a kid and didn't take care of it, they ate her. If uh, if a one had you know root, foot, foot rot or too many issues with their feet, they'd eat it. And they just kept mm. doing that until they ended up with the very best genetics for goats and sheep. So we got 50 of those sheep coming and, wow. uh, 20 cows from, a um, uh, a breed called Corriente. that do very well. They eat mesquite. They do very well in the desert. Um, they have good quality milk. They're also low to the ground and, um, pack a lot of meat in a, in a very good, unique flavor. So I'm, I'm super excited to have them helping to restore the land and, and, uh, they're on their way. I mean, we should have them within the month. And I'm like, this is the thing. It's odd. I mean, but it is the thing that I'm most hyped about, um, getting all these cows and cow-calf pairs and being able to milk our own animals and, and have this as a, as a food source, not just for us, but for our friends and family and the local community and beyond. I think that's just, it's awesome.
1: No, and that's exactly why this bigger message is 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 so problematic, because there's nuance. Like you said, you're finding the genetics, right? There is so many factors, the genetics, the season, what they're eating, all of these things need to be considered when creating the most healthful and environmentally sustainable food source, and that is that is taken away from us when we're just depending on these big corporations. So no, I love that you're excited about that. I'm also equally excited about in my next phase, uh, maybe doing the same thing with some land here, but yeah, getting close to your food source. I think it's powerful and um, it's exciting and I just hope more people get into
0: it. Super cool. Let's, Let's continue on this list of things because you just list the studies here. What did you guys find in the pasture raised cheese versus grain fed cheese? Oh,
1: pasture. See, basically what these studies are finding is essentially Dr. Fred Provenza, Dr. Van Vliet are doing a lot of this research that the phytonutrient content of these foods can sometimes rival plant-based foods, right? So uh, depending on the more diverse the pasture, the more diverse their phytonutrient um, sources. Sometimes like you can have as much as eggplants and and what these are thought to do is kind of protect um, the product itself from oxidation, but also have human health benefits like inflammation reduction and anti-diabetic, diabetic diabetic properties and antifungal properties. And so they're finding when you raise something in a regenerative way on diverse pastures, they're going to have higher levels of these well-demonstrated, um, health benefiting properties. And, um, there's other research, too, to show things like triglyceride levels go down when you eat a burger that is grass-fed or or steak that is grass-fed, as opposed to um, something that ha- is grain-fed. And so there's a few studies throughout that are really looking at this, that there are probably health benefits. But Dr. Van Vliet, I think his research will show us uh, for sure. And he's also going to look at what happens when you eat an entirely regenerative diet versus what happens when you eat an entirely conventional diet, because I think one one of the major factors in these studies and why the, um, the health benefits might be minimized is because they are only one small thing you're eating in, in a larger context, right? And the background diet is really, really important. And so I think that will be a really fascinating study too. But yeah, from what it looks like, nutrient levels change definitely when you, um, feed an animal an evolutionary appropriate diet and that that might actually be protective when you eat it in terms of inflammation and oxidation and other things in the body.
0: Cool. I love it. All the little things people aren't thinking about. (laughs) That that always cracked me up too with like the, if it fits your macros... Yeah, <laughs> uh, diet. It was like, come on, dude. <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts versus you know grass-fed <laughs> steak. It's like, dude, there's, there's just no comparison. Like, what have we, why, have, why, have, why are even people arguing about this online? Oh,
1: um, I know. And I had this like Paul Jack told me this. It just made so much sense to me. It's you know these small changes, right? They're like, oh, these are small changes. And he's like, what happens when you change the punctuation in a sentence? Like. The whole meaning changes. What happens when you change one atom in a molecule? You know, like it, it changes in, in really dramatic ways, even if there are small changes and food is so much more than, like you said, macros. It's it's information. It's powerful.
0: Cool. Well let's talk let's talk uh Robin White. What if we all went vegan?
1: Oh, I love this. This was kind of a, a thought experiment that they did and looked at if 300 million Americans decided to become vegan, what would happen? And they found that the environmental impact would be about 2.6% reduction in emissions and that there would be a lot of nutrient deficiencies as a result and increase in grain consumption, which I think we know as Americans, we do not need more of. And the the sad reality is you're not ever going to get uh, all Americans to go vegan anyway. And so, if you do something like 10% of Americans even went vegan, right? I think something like 6% are right now. That's a 0.26% reduction in emissions, which is not even measurable. And Dr. Frank Mittlerner has talked about this. And so again, this messaging that if we all went vegan, we would fix all these emissions problems is just It's not it's not true at all. And they're a lot of times misrepresenting the emissions from animal products anyway, saying things like 51 percent or or even 18 percent of emissions are from cows. When in America specifically, it's it's two percent. And actually the emissions levels, human generated emission levels from crop agriculture is higher than even animal agriculture. I think it's four point nine versus 3.7% 3.7% or something like that. And, and
0: landfills too. I know Rob Wolf and Diane Rogers really dive into this in, uh, in sacred cow, but uh landfills secrete or, or excrete more methane than all factory farming combined. Right. So like, what are we doing with that? Like there's, there's so many other pieces to the puzzle that get overlooked. And, you know, Paul Saladino talked about this years ago in the podcast that, when, when the earth was full of mastodons and it was in an ice age, like mastodon poop was not creating global <laughs> warming, right? It's a closed system. <laughs> yes. It is a closed system, right? The carbon mm-hmm. cycle, when done appropriately, is a closed system because of the animal impact, the stomping on their own poop, getting back in, the, the living, breathing soil, taking that in and sequestering carbon. Like that's a closed loop system. It's only when we do, you know, the factory farming and things like that, that we don't close the system.
1: Exactly. And we have this tunnel vision, like you said, methane, it's a flow gas. It goes up into the air, it's CH4, and then it becomes carbon dioxide and water and it goes back down. And if you keep the level of animals constant in the environment, this is not changing, right? And then a lot of us are just tunnel focused on emissions, emissions, but then we're missing this broader, beautiful picture of regenerative ag where it's not only about emissions, it's about water holding capacity and it's about restoring aquifers and it's about soil biodiversity and all the things that come from that and habitat biodiversity and and on and on and on. So yeah, I think it's a really dangerous game that we're playing when we're, we're, we're looking at the wrong metrics.
0: Absolutely. You have a quote here from Dr. Provenza. And, and, and I have nourishment on my desk. I have not opened it yet. But yeah, Daniel Griffith recommended it to me. He said it's one of his all-time favorites. Oh. I'm super excited to dive into it. Uh, Provenza uh, writes, people will have to learn we are members of nature's communities. What we do to them, we do to ourselves. Only by nurturing them can we nurture ourselves.
1: Oh my gosh, right?
0: Fantastic. It's
1: just just such wisdom there. Yeah, and it's so funny. Do you know who um, Paul Hawken is from Project Drawdown? No. Okay, so Project Drawdown is this amazing organization that has literally looked at how do we help people um, fix the climate crisis, right? He himself, I believe, is a vegetarian, but he said, and he gets a lot of pushback for this, of 80 ways to mitigate climate change regenerative agriculture is, is number one and it includes animals and it is the number one way that people can help restore the health of our ecosystem. I just think, oh my gosh, that's so powerful um, for someone who might not even eat animals. Um, to it sounds that. like my
0: buddy, Zach Bush, right? Zach doesn't wow. eat meat, but he is full on into regenerative. He understands yeah. the complexities of it. He understands the microbiome of human health, the soil yeah. health. It's all, it's all intertwined. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And then that's it. You know, if you're healthy and you're doing that and you want it, cool. As long as you acknowledge how necessary plant and animal husbandry is to solving solving the riddle, right?
1: Exactly. We all need different things. And like I said, I'm not in the business of telling anyone how they should eat. But the only thing I do push back against is that no one should have access to high quality animal foods that can regenerate the earth. Um, a lot of people, pastoralists in other parts of the world, they absolutely rely on livestock and this is their source of income. And so I just think it's it's really unfair and small minded to, um, to say anything else.
0: There's um, one of Daniel's favorite books is the Sand County Almanac. And it's a, it's a beautiful um, book from a, from a a guy who just lived amongst the land, lived an incredible life. He was uh, highly educated, taught one of the first classes on true environmentalism. I forget which college I'm butchering it, but, um, spent most of his days in the land and he he speaks about it poetically about how people in the city that have nothing to do with growing food, have a comment on how it should be done. And (laughs) the people that are in the rural communities actually doing the damn thing just get shit on because they don't have a voice, right? It's like, it, it, and that's paraphrasing, but he, he says it far more eloquently than that because it is poetry, but it's brilliant. It's exactly, it's exactly the case here, you know?
1: Yeah. And there's this book called Plant-Based Con. I don't know if you can get a physical copy yet, but you can get it in on Audible. And I just finished Jane Buxton. And she talks about the way, uh, like the Eat Lancet and all of these major publications that are coming out, that the regenerative farmers, they're not represented in these panels creating the guidelines, right? They're just, their voices aren't heard and their stories aren't told. And that's how we end up with this extremely convoluted messaging and uh, answer to the riddle that doesn't even make sense. So.
0: Well, I'm happy that somehow uh, Ryland was able to get Kiss the Ground on Netflix, and I'm super happy that that uh, the biggest little farm was able to make it way on Amazon Prime because these are, you know, these are part of the big corporations, but um, they're they're still allowing it at least for now, and that's that's telling a big story because of the reach that they have. Um, Let's talk a bit about you know you 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 guys started. you guys started Paleo Valley because of the, the absolute necessity for it with travel, getting, getting high quality food that was going to be convenient. And, and I, I actually love doing your ad rates because it's, it's, <laughs> there's never a poll like that. And I don't have any sponsor where I'm like, yeah, I kind of like them. like I fucking love them or I'm not going <laughs> to talk about them, right? But like literally, there's not, a, there's not three days that go by where I'm not having one of your meat sticks, period, Ooh. at least every three days. I'm, and I'm always having two at a time when I do. Um, they are phenomenal. Let's also, let's talk about wild pastures. Like what got you into wild pastures and what are some of the things that you've, you've really started to figure out? You know, you you wrote about inflation and things like that. You know, this is the changing nature of our reality. Thanks to printing 80% of the money in the last two years. No one can really fathom what that's going to do, but talk about how that's influenced you guys at wild pastures and, and really what your mission is there.
1: Yeah. So our mission at Wild Pastures, like I said, is just, we were talking to the farmers that we had cultivated relationships with and they said, we just want to do the farming and we want to do these regenerative methods, but we don't want to market ourselves. And as a holistic nutritionist, I would talk to people like, go find regeneratively raised meat. And they say, well, I don't know where to do that. And I don't, and when I do find it, it's very expensive and I can't afford it. And so we decided, what if we became that middleman who connected the consumers who wanted this type of regeneratively raised meat to the, um, to the people who wanted to get it at an affordable cost. And so, and to the farmers who are doing that. And so that's exactly what we did. And our mission at Wild Pastures is just to provide the highest quality meat. Um, that moves the needle and help transform the system at at a price that's actually affordable. So it's just a meat delivery service. And what we do is we only source from American regenerative farms. A lot of meat services actually take it from out of the country because they have higher standards and more of these practices in place. But I think when we do that, we're really missing the opportunity to create that food security and the food sovereignty in America and to heal America's microbiome. So we think it's really important from American farmers only using regenerative methods. And then we just deliver them to your house and we use reuse packaging and we're getting electric vehicles and we're considering the environment at every stage of the process and then because we have two companies we can use the organs we, we're really passionate about whole animal utilization and so we're using the bones for our bone broth protein powder we're using the organs for our organ meat supplements and we're just we're not wasting and we're really really honoring all that is that comes from our animals because only about 50% of the product is actually being used as meat or being sold as meat many of the times um, and then, of course, accessibility is just just the most important thing. Like you said, infl- inflation is rampant and people are having trouble affording food. And so we're taking a lot of this uh, increasing cost on the nose because we're just... We think this is such an important mission and we really want to help transform the food system. And so our prices aren't going up and we're just we're just holding steady and being really, really creative about the ways that we save our costs so that we can pass those co- um pass the savings on to the consumers. And and we're about 40 percent cheaper than other meat delivery services. So you'll get, you know, 25, 15 15 pound boxes that you can customize. You can customize the cuts of meat that are in them. You can customize the timing of your order and um, we can ship anywhere nationwide. So, and that was basically a result of my son, our son being born and us fearing that uh, our food system was in trouble and on the verge of, you know, not collapse, but just a, a rude awakening of sorts.
0: Yeah. That's, that's why I got into farming. That's that's it right there. Having two kids. I was like, you know, I've seen the writing on the wall. And um, I know a lot of people listen to this. Um, they don't have an Aubrey to buy a farm like I did. They don't have, you know, uh, friends that, that have the kind of uh, the or flow, but just getting involved, getting to know the people, getting to know somebody that's in your neighborhood where you're, you're actually going to the farmer's markets and you're meeting the people producing your food. That makes a huge difference, you know, and going out and volunteering. Like, um, that's one of the things I love about Rome Ranch is that my son sat on my lap and we watched a bison that we ate. We split 50, 50 with Taylor from Rome Ranch. He sat on my lap and watched that animal die. You know, like we, we cried together. We put our hands on her warm body. We prayed for her and thanked her like to have that connection before he's able to hunt. And before he's able to have that experience for himself, it's so important. And it's such an important piece. And and I really love, you know, there's a lot of farms that are doing that very thing. They're saying, Hey, we want the community to be involved in this. We want you to see this. We want you to help with the field dressing. We want you to have your, get your hands dirty, you know, put your hands in the soil. Get some blood on your fingers. Do this and understand that this is this is a natural part of human existence that's been lost and forgotten.
1: It is. And something a lot of people think we can cheat, right? That, that it doesn't have to be part of it. But no matter how you're eating, um, it requires death. And so I think that's a beautiful experience. Hopefully one that I can give to my son as well. He's really interested in becoming a hunter. And so, um, yeah, I just think the closer we can get and the more humility and the more honor we can give to the animals that we're consuming the better
0: obviously absolutely we're welcome where can people find you specifically online and what are where can people find your amazing companies
1: yeah so you can always email me with good feedback bad feedback any kind of feedback at autumn at paleo i love to hear it all And then wildpastures.com is the meat delivery service. And then paleovalley.com is our food and supplement snack line. And then we also started a regenerative burger place here in Boulder called Wild Pastures Burger Company. So there's no sugar in the place. It's all regeneratively raised um, agriculture and organic produce. And and so you can always visit us at wildpasturesburgerco.com as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, next time in Colorado, I'm going to stop by you guys for sure.
1: (laughs) You have to. We would love to have you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show, Autumn. It was great chatting with you.
1: Yeah, Kyle. This is amazing. Thanks.